We are straight-talking Southern girls in our 50s, and that's what you're going to get. Welcome to Ladies Roadmap. We're your hosts, Joe Jamie Tyler and Lana Helda. Come along for the ride and join us as we travel to bring you thought-provoking subjects and women who inspire and strive to make a difference in the world. Welcome everyone to Ladies Roadmap. And if it's your first time to listen, we're a podcast celebrating women's second half of life. We're all in our 50s and feeling confident and fired up. And we want to bring relevant, relatable stories and issues and information to all of you who want to stay current and continue to learn and grow in this really fun time of life. Uh, this is such a great time of life, and we got to celebrate it. And thank you, guys. We just want to say welcome, welcome to all our listeners. If you're new today, welcome. And if you've been with us, thank you, ladies, so much. It's so important that we share this message. So thank you for sharing and tagging us on Instagram and Facebook, and we are having so much fun interacting with you. We are a true tribe and family here at Ladies Roadmap. And today, it's so exciting because we have such a relevant guest. Becky Bow is an award-winning professional makeup artist, and she specializes in weddings and commercial makeup and styling, but she does a lot of teaching to women in our in our age category where our skin is changing and our faces are changing and she really teaches us how to wear our makeup and not have our makeup wear us and i think she does a great job of uh, teaching people how to really look natural um, becky is based out of philadelphia and she has the becky bow makeup studio and becky is also an adjunct faculty member at the Immaculata University. Becky, your story is so interesting, and there's a lot more behind your world than just makeup. And I didn't even know this about you, how back in the day, I don't want to spoil your whole story, but I do want to share with it a little bit with everybody. You actually started off as a rock and roll singer, and then you went on to divinity school at Harvard, um, and then transitioned into makeup. Share with us a little bit about that adventure. Oh, well, hello, and thank you uh, so much for having me here um, today. I really appreciate it. This is fun. I love the idea of your podcast, and I'm really honored that you asked me to be a part of it. Thank you. Well, we welcome you. Um, Thanks so much, Becky, for coming. Sure. Um, Well, I I did start out. My first career was as a professional rock singer. That's right. And um, it was just because I'd been singing my whole life. I came from a fairly musical family, and... um, after uh, high school, and I was a solid C student in high school, um, spent most of my time out in the woods, if you get my drift. And uh, <laughs> it was the 70s, just saying. So, yeah. And uh, so I, I somehow got into the University of Vermont, um, maybe because my SAT scores were good, better than my grades were, but and I don't even know how I got to take the SAT that day. I think some friend dragged me to. Cool. But in any case, um, so I, I, I got into UVM, the University of Vermont. That's where I'm from. Um, and uh, I stayed for six weeks and I knew pretty quickly that it wasn't the place for me. I didn't belong there. I couldn't relate to what was going on there. Uh, and I just dropped out with no uh, plan at all. Uh, no, no set plan. And, uh, but my brother was in a band 
And uh, they asked me to run their light show on New Year's Eve. That would have been New Year's Eve going into 1977, I think. And uh, then they hired me to go on the road with them and run the light show, which I did. And I got paid 50 bucks a week. And we traveled around in a van all over New England. And uh, and then slowly but surely, I wormed my way on stage. And that's where you started having to, you wore a lot of makeup and you had to have it stay on. I had to, Joe Jamie, because I, from the time I was 13 years old, I had very bad skin. And uh, like the next best thing to cystic acne. And um, so being in the band, you know, I had to cover my face every night. And back then there was no Mac store. There was no Sephora. There was no Ulta. All there was, was, you know, cover girl. And then if you had any extra money, you might get Estee Lauder or Clinique. But really, that was it back then. So I used what was available to me. And I just happened to be good at makeup. I just was good with the paint. And uh, so I figured out a way to cover up my complexion. And I also figured out a way to make the makeup last through three hours of jumping up and down and sweating. Um, and that was just trial and error on my part. So I had the I had natural talent. So so that was the start of your kind of makeup and rock and roll. But then when did you decide to go to divinity school and what brought that on? Oh, that was a long ways away from the music. The, uh, I finally decided after about seven years on the road in, in this band in New England, and we did very, very well, that um, I wanted to go down to New York where my brother was who was managing me and to um, further my music career. So I went down there, um, showcased for some record labels, recorded. Um, but then I met my first husband and I was really starting to wind down my music career. And my late great ex-mother-in-law, who was a saint, I mean, never had a bad day with this woman. She was just one of those people who always wanted to help everybody. And uh, so she asked me, well, what would you like to do with yourself? And I said, well, I'm good at makeup. I wasn't even, you know, I must probably set it off the cuff. And being her, she, I'm sure she went purposely to have a makeup lesson with a makeup artist so she could ask that makeup artist how I, she could help me. Well, that makeup artist happened to be Laura Geller, who's now a huge mogul on QVC, but back then had a, a makeup counter in this very eccentric boutique on 72nd Street, which is still there. And Laura said, mm, put some makeup on me. And I tried to put some makeup on her and she said, you're hired. And the next thing you know, I'm working for Laura. And um, I can't say that she trained me. She really just threw me to the wolves and some really funny things happened as a result. But um, because of that, I kind of got launched right away into high-end weddings in New York. So you got to do that. And then somehow um, after that, you then started working for Kamara. I did. I worked um, after uh, uh, freelancing for Laura for a number of years. I then freelanced for Camara. Now, during that time, I started, you know, I'd had this sort of yearning um, to become educated. And it, my, my, my motivation for going to what ended up being Hunter College in New York was really, I think, that I wanted the vocabulary to articulate what I was feeling about any given thing. Just, I was ready to be educated. Um, and uh, so I did, I got into Hunter College. I was married to my first husband at the time. And uh, which is a fat, fat, the city university of New York system is just 
spectacular in its diversity, its professors. And um, I started to explore the social sciences because my mother's degrees, she started out in sociology, then philosophy. When I got to a course on the nature of religion, it was it 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 resonated with me, for lack of a better term, because it was the way I understood how people thought about the world and their place in it. So I became really infatuated with the study of religion and Islam, particularly because I read this book by Karen Armstrong, a former nun, called History of God. It's a great book for anybody who wants to learn more about the history of monotheism. And then I read the chapter on the Islamic uh, philosophers and theologians, and that really was very romantic to me. So I really wanted to study classical Islam, and um, so did that. And then I, as, when I went to Hunter, I really didn't know what to expect for myself, because as I said, I was not a good student in, in high school. So I started, but I, I was doing very, very well. And then I was pitching a no-hitter. And I'm getting straight A's and I'm in the honors program. And then I get Phi Beta Kappa in my junior year. And then I decided I wanted to go to grad school. So I applied to Princeton, Columbia, and Harvard. And Princeton rejected me. But I got into Harvard and to Columbia. And I lived right near Columbia. That's where we lived, up on the Upper West Side. My mom says that education is wasted on the young, and I would agree. Do you think it was just maturity? Absolutely, because I think I was very bright uh, as a high school student. It was I, did, I didn't have teachers who recognized that. They saw me as being difficult. You, see, you feel that way, too. You, you, I see that you are, um, yeah, you're, you're feeling what I'm saying to you. So, um, so uh, by the way, I have a cat named Lana. Just oh, you do? <laughs> awesome. And you know what? She's luscious. She's luscious. That's great. I love anyway, it. Anyway, um, yeah, it's true. I mean, I've always been bright. Uh, it's just a matter of being in the right place to sort of explore that. And I had a kind of a strange upbringing that my mother had gone down to New York when I was 15, and I was left in, um, at, in Vermont with my dad, who just wasn't around very much. Was a wonderful, sweet man. He was not a present father. Um, and my, uh, and my old eldest brother was in the beginning throes of, of serious mental illness. And it was just like a dark time. It wasn't a, it was it wasn't a, it seemed easy at the time, but in retrospect, it wasn't. Sounds like you're telling my story almost. This is crazy. Very, a lot of similarities there. We could talk about that kind of stuff for, for a long time. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, that's really what it was. I, and I think what prompted me to go to school was because I was bright and I, again, needed that book. I wanted to have better tools to sort of express it, that and evolve. So I really think it's about, it's really about following your instincts to evolve. And having a passion to evolve, you know, wanting to grow and wanting to change. And then, and then finding something uh, like I find religion extremely interesting. And I think just what you learn, the history and, and there's so many, there's so much diversity out there. And the more you know about it, I think the more you understand maybe the world. Absolutely. It's like understanding, it's like languages, studying languages. I've always felt you couldn't really know a people until you understand something about their sense of humor, which you're not going to know if you don't understand something about their language. Like I studied Spanish, among other languages in, at Hunter, and I worked as a waitress in this restaurant in New York, and all the guys in the kitchen were Dominican. 
And of course, they taught me to say some really bad things, like, <laughs> really bad. But they would not let me speak English in the kitchen. So I, you know, my Spanish got a lot better because of them. And, um, but I also learned so much about them and what they thought was funny and what they cared about. And, and it's just, it, and I think religion is the same way. I think you're right, Lana. Well, what I love about you already is that I can just tell you're super open-minded and that's what it, that I think that's one of the secrets to happiness in life is being open to different people and new things. And it, I think it sounds like you've had a very interesting path. And, you know, one of the things we were kind of, I was talking to Joe Jamie about is I lo- I went and looked at your blog. I want to tell everyone about this blog that you have. It's so apropos. It's called The Beauty Sagist, which you obviously are. And it's such a great place to go for information. It's informative, but it's also just done so beautifully. It makes you want to explore more about it. What is your kind of guide when you're writing your blog and you're and you're and you're educating people, what guide do you use? I, well, I, 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 will, I will say that I don't write use, I don't update the blog nearly as much as I should because I've got projects going on. And I, honestly, the, what guides me is how mad I am about something that I've seen advertised or something that's going on. It's, it's anger that really is my greatest motivator when it comes to my blog. I'm just sitting here just smiling because... I feel like, Becky, you're a kindred spirit. You're such a, a rebel. And I don't feel like we've met this many, any as much of a rebel so far on, on this show as you are. And I'm just, you come across this beautiful, you know, this beautiful, you know, very pulled together, Harvard-educated woman. And you're just this little rebel. And I'm just loving all this. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're a rebel, Joe Jamie. I know. So I, I love this idea. So share us one of your stories because I re- we read something recently how um, Vogue had this, was it something about mascara? Share with us. It got you all right. No, it wasn't. It was Vogue magazine, and it was about a, some yeah. kind of a mascara. They sent a free mascara, Mark Jacobs. And okay, so I, among other things, I'm a big tree hugger. It's not because I'm from Vermont necessarily, because people have an, I think, a strange idea that all Vermonters are sort of like pot smoking, tree hugging you know, left loving. I, I, I just don't think it's true, but, but I, I am, I'm, I'm care very deeply about the environment and, um, and, and the sheer, the sheer volume of products out there, uh, going into an Ulta to a target, all these products and they have to come out with something new every day. And that's how marketing is. And it's just, you know, where are all these chemicals going to go? Where's all this packaging going to go? I can't, I can't, fathom how anyone who's having children these days wouldn't care very deeply about these issues. So in any case, so anytime I see something wasteful, that bothers me. And then when I, you know, see marketing that is, is elaborate, elaborately marketing a product that's really subpar, that also makes me mad. So go hit it out of the park. On this last issue. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, it's such a huge industry, $62 billion plus industry. And yet, you know, half of these products don't do anything. I'm just amazed that they can all even be in business. I know. I know. Well, you know, I, it, we may be looking at a bubble building. You know, I, I, the pendulum has to swing. Something will change. Something about us will change. And I, I, I don't, 
my only hope is that it's not permanent. So Vogue sends an issue that's encased in this plastic, along with this strange plastic shell that is holding a sample of Marc Jacobs mascara. And um, so first of all, I'm mad because of all the packaging. And it's, it's so elaborate. And then, of course, I have to try the mascara. And it's, it's crap, quite frankly. It's, you know, CoverGirl Lash Blast Fusion, $7, done. You know, uh, so, so I, yeah, so I, that made me mad. I had to write about it. Just so you know, everything, we're going to be having a lot of tips I can tell you right now with, with Becky. Uh, everything you can find, a link to her, her blog and to any product that she mentions at our website, ladiesroadmap.com. And her blog it's just beautysages.com. Beautysages.com. Okay, great. So what are what are the biggest mistakes you see people making, re- women making out there? Like if you were to go, let's say you went to a, a luncheon and you were sitting there with a hundred women, what do you think would be the biggest mistake you would notice or see? Or well, see? one of the things I've noticed a lot lately is these lash extensions. <sighs> Oh yeah. I wonder I wanted to ask you about that so badly. I have the biggest hate on for the I things. I do too. Oh. I do too. And I was in a store not long ago and I, I I wonder if anyone noticed this strange woman standing in the entry of the store with her jaw on the floor. That was me because I was like stunned. I couldn't move <laughs> at the sheer size and thickness and length of these crazy lashes this woman had on she was dressed very casually but she's got these like gigantic snuffleupagus (laughs) lashes on and they look ridiculous i mean there's just nothing natural about those things they they're expensive they go every which way then and then they have the nerve to make them out of mink sometimes and i'm telling you there's no such thing as cruelty-free mink in any form Mm. Well, I just I just see them and I, I kind of feel like they look dirty, honestly. It just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. But Becky, I don't know if we really mentioned this, but you, I know, because I've known you for a while, you are really one of the first people I know that totally jumped on the bandwagon of natural products. And I remember when we first when I first started trying natural products, sometimes I felt like it didn't really stay on my face or I'm sure it's come so much further since then. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you feel about it now? Yeah, you know, I've, I've had a sort of a sea change in my mind about natural products to some degree. Um, well, I, you know, as for skincare, I feel it's really important to, to sort of minimize the unnecessary chemicals and fragrances that you're using. And actually, Joe Jamie, since I met you last spring, I actually went to beauty school. I went to beauty school and got my esthetician's license. Oh. And it was pretty hilarious. Good for you. Where, where did you do that at? Where? Well, um, I went to a place called Venus Beauty Academy in Aston, Pennsylvania. Okay. It was not uh, the fanciest school, but here in here, I was like thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to be probably the best educated person there. I'm probably going to be the oldest person there. And it turned out we had a really special group of women that it was just a convert, a spirit. It's really wonderful. It was like highly diverse. I had two women who were around my age, but one was a retired banker. One was retired from in-house counsel. We've since become really dear friends. We had, you know, all kinds of people in the class who I loved dearly each in their own way. So it was a really wonderful experience. And our, and our teacher, Mama Dai, she was just, you know, been teaching the class for 35 years. And 
She was a, she, it was very helpful to me because I'm actually um, in the process of starting a school and uh, going to, to beauty school was so useful to me. So I want to circle back and say we weren't laughing about beauty school. I think beauty school is an awesome choice for many women and many women have very successful careers. It just made me laugh that the Harvard girl went to beauty school. The, the makeup artist, the professional makeup artist went back to beauty school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. And we, we were talking about it because of skincare. And, you know, I, women do some pretty crazy things to their skin. And these days it gets more and more um, uh, of an issue because of the kinds of products that are available, even at an Ulta, for example, you know, the interest in microneedling and chemical peels and things like that. So women have plenty of opportunities to overexfoliate and, you know, damage their skin in a really unprofessional way. So I still believe, even after getting an esthetician's license, that the way to go is to keep it pretty chemical-free and simple for skincare. And, um, and as far as makeup is concerned, it really kind of depends on what you, what your goals are. For every day, you know, I still really love, and I'm going to do a brand shout out because I still think it's a great product. Um, but Jane Iredale, who has long been kind of a brand focused on some, you know, low chemicals, you know, and uh, she has a pressed mineral uh, powder foundation that I still think is kind of the gold standard of everyday useful um, foundation. And that's pretty chemical free. Where do you get those products? I don't uh, know. Jane Iredale um, is sold uh, online, but it's hard to, you really can't buy a foundation online if you haven't tried it. Usually it's in spas and uh, sometimes in doctor's offices where there are estheticians. I happen to be, uh, I happen to sell it, but I only sell um, just the foundation, uh, a few of the lip products and a few of the concealers. I don't sell the whole line because quite frankly, I don't love the whole line. Um, and I, unfortunately it's that type of, um, relationship where I can just cherry pick what I like. But, you know, I use it every day because I like the fact that I'm not piling on the chemicals. What is your, what is your morning and nighttime ritual look like for make for skincare? Well, I always say, and I am being somewhat facetious that if dish soap was the closest thing to me and I was tired, <laughs> that's probably what I'd use because, and that's only to sort of say that I I don't put a ton of stock into all sorts of products, but um, I I use generally to wash my face. I use um, baby wash. Really? I use uh, uh, Eucerin by Aquaphor uh, baby wash. I think it's a wonderful uh, cleanser for the skin because it leaves um, the skin clean and soft, um, and you can wash your whole body with it. Um, and then. Um, Sometimes I'll use an enzyme cleanser that I've got at a beauty show, which I actually kind of weirdly like. I feel like it just gets a little bit of extra off sometimes. I have a Clarisonic. It usually is out of power because I just kind of ignore it, but I, but it is a good product. I mean, I like, I think Clarisonics in, in general are a good exfoliating product because you really can't overdo it. It doesn't require extra products. I've, I've told people, you know, Clarisonics are good. Sometimes, because I shower at night, because I just don't understand why people get into bed dirty. But um, I shower at night, so off. sometimes I'll just put, um, like, jojoba oil on my skin before I get out of the shower. Um, you know, when you jump out of the shower in the wintertime and you dry your face, it's just, like, instant, like, tightness and dryness. Well, using an oil in the shower can really stop that from happening. You could do coconut oil, which I love also. 
So basically, you keep it pretty simple and pretty natural. Super simple. I, I like Paula's Choice products too. Even though she's got too many products in her line now, like many, you know, they they fall prey to, you know, just having more. I think Paula's Choice, which you can buy online and you can get samples before you buy, is a well priced, well formulated brand. So Becky, everyone that's been listening, it probably knows by now that Joe Jamie and I both have weddings this coming year, both of our daughters. And I just wondered, since you do so many weddings, what's the trending makeup fashion right now? Well, as far as I'm concerned, ladies, there, there are no trends. And um, I, I, don't, I don't ascribe to them because, uh, you know, I, I, with my mothers of the brides who to me are the second most important person on that day, the groom is a distant third. Um, is, you know, I feel like you, you have to look your, your best, um, trying to sort of, you know, use some kind of a trend. It, 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 uh, it's highly unlikely that anything like that is going to flatter you. I don't, you know, I, I just want to sort of say what, you know, what makeup, what, what level of makeup are you comfortable with? What do I need to, you know, elevate your look to meet, to match the day? And it's the same for the bride. It's about bringing the, the, the polish of the makeup up to the level of the occasion. So that's really what it's about. And I, I love working with my moms, you know, but back when I started doing makeup, I was a contemporary of the brides and now I'm, you know, I'm going to be 60 this summer. So um, I'm definitely in this age group of the moms and I just always have so much fun with them. And, um, you know, they, first of all, they've had a really hard time finding a dress. Yes, I hear. So you I ladies hear. are slim and beautiful, you know, um, it is very hard for MOBs to find dresses. And if I could open up a bridal or rather a shop just for moms, I would. Speaking of that, can you share with us about are you doing teach? You were just, I think what you were just getting ready to tell us about was how you were, t- you're doing a new class that you're teaching. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I just moved my studio. Um, and I moved to a larger space because, uh, I am opening, I, I, I basically open, um, I moved to a space where I can uh, accommodate a small classroom. Now I will continue and, and I haven't done it for a while, but I'll easily be able to do my makeup for mature women workshops, which, you know, I, I haven't done one for a long time, but I, I do makeup lessons all the time. And uh, so, but now I can go back to doing, you know, these groups, which I really enjoy doing. Plus I'll be teaching some people who want to be makeup artists. So um, sort of transitioning a bit, you know, the idea of evolving and uh, it's just kind of, uh, it's something I've um, a plan I have worked on for probably the past year. Um, I actually did a business plan, which was like so grown up of me, <laughs> and um, yes, really put on the big girl pants. And um, so it, that's kind of it's kind of exciting and scary, um, but uh, it's kind of the way I wanted to go, and I enjoy teaching. But uh, I will. And it's invigorating to start a new path, you know, to do what you've done and then, and then spread the word and and teach others and and let them follow in your footsteps. And I'm sure they're truly grateful to have all of your wisdom and advice. And Mm -hmm. speaking of wisdom and, and advice, you know, a lot of our ladies ask us different questions about about makeup or about products they've heard our other guests talk about. And at this stage of our lives, 
certain things don't work quite the way they used to, like eye concealers. And then we have the issue with, wow, I'd love to wear that red lipstick, but ooh, I have those lines around my lips. Any good tips or tricks you could tell us about those? Um, well, I will say, first of all, that when people uh, preface a question they um, have for me with the words, what's the best... Well, you know, if we think about the range and the sheer avalanche of makeup out there, it, it's not even rational to ask what's best, you know? And I always say it's really not about the paint anyway. It's what you do with it. So um, I think the important thing, we, I, I go through this with women when I do a makeup lesson. I'll just give you sort of the basic, which I think will help all of your listeners. When I am doing a makeup lesson, um, First of all, I'm going to teach you what you can do, not what I can do. Ah. Now, the beauty industry, there is an assumption that is made by marketers, and women eat this up, that says we come out of the womb being experts at using makeup. It's just we're female. We know what to do with this stuff. You know, that when you go, go to a, a makeup counter, that's the assumption. They'd never be able to sell the products the way they do without us believing inherently that we're supposed to know what to do with this stuff. <laughs> but the fact is very few women know what to do with it. I can, and I, and the proof is when I do commercial work, when I go say do a, a day of headshots, corporate headshots, women come to sit for their photos. They're already made up and I'm just making sure that there's nothing that's glaringly wrong. And just nine out of 10 times women are just doing all the wrong things. They're using makeup in a real, in a really unflattering way. So, so I'm going to teach them to do what they can do. And I kind of assess their skills, their, how dexterous they are, how comfortable they are holding a brush. Um, so then we'll say, you know, well, if, if you're comfortable doing this, if, for example, when you put your eyeliner on, you automatically anchor your hand on your face. And I'm like, you're going to be okay. You know, other women are like, uh, <laughs> They're going to poke their own eyes out. I can't have them lining their eyes. It's not going to work. Um, <laughs> all right, so that, we, we start from that, that idea. And the next thing we think about is what are the two or three things that are unique to, say, you, Joe, Jamie, or you, Lana, that are maybe not m my three things that you should or need to address to kind of get out of the house feeling like you look your best, right? For me, I have kind of red lids. And um, so I've got to subdue the redness on my lids so my eyes don't look tired. I've got to address the, the dilated capillaries around my nose. And if I curl my lashes, because I have long lashes, if I curl my lashes and put mascara on, I'm pretty good. I can get out of the house in one piece, right? So many times women say to me, back to the eyeliner, I just can't get my eyeliner on, right? And I'm thinking, your eye shape does not call for eyeliner. You don't need it. So put down the eyeliner. You need some lipstick for God's sake. Put on a color. <laughs> and, and, you know, the other thing I'm thinking, especially, for, you know, for women that maybe were dark and now they're, they're gray, the eyebrow. Eyebrows are everything. Last year when I went to the beauty show, I, I saw this Revita brow stuff and I thought, this can't possibly work. And I, ha I have decent brows. But I said, you know what? I'm going to plunk down 55 bucks, which is the wholesale price um, for this stuff and try it. And, and I've never had my eyes, brows professionally shaped. 
never had them waxed, never had them threaded or anything, always tweezed them on my own. And uh, so I started using this stuff. And a couple of weeks later, I'm like, I need to get a brow wax. (laughs) (laughs) This stuff really works. (laughs) It's pretty crazy. So so for women who have thinning brows, I do recommend um, looking into some of these uh, brow serums because they they really do grow brows. Like my husband had had, you know, radiation and and he's been using it and it's worked for him too. So that's a product that isn't a waste yeah, that's of money. A, that, it, it is, you know, a Revita Brow. Um, what others? I, I know that the Rodan and Fields Lash Boost, which is the lash serum now that everyone's crazy about, and I know it works. Well, I've seen it work, but I'm I'm afraid to use it, Becky, because I had um I had a little thing in my eye and I had to have a re- reconstructive surgery. So I'm just wondering if I should put anything in my eyes like that. What do you think? I mean, is it chemical or maybe ask for a sample and try it for a few days and see mm-hmm. what happens. That's good to hear because I actually have a tube of it in there calling my name, but I haven't used it. So good to know. Thanks. All right. Yeah. You know, and then there's another thing that women are doing right now that's a, that, that is a very, um, I think it's ultimately a kind of unfortunate trend. There's something called microblading. Are you aware of this? I've heard of it. It is a semi-permanent um, coloring of the brows. And what uh, this, these uh, practitioners do is they essentially t- make small um, scratches in the skin and then deposit pigment into it. So it's almost like a temporary tattoo. Um, to, it, for, in some cases, it can be kind of a godsend for somebody who has bad eyesight and has no brows at all. And similarly to what a tattoo would be. But um, I, I see all sorts of young women doing this just to get a fuller brow and, 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 and I've seen it done very badly. Um, and because they're scratching the skin, there's always the risk of infection. And um, so I would say to anyone who's considering microblading out there, approach very cautiously. Um, I, I'm concerned that young women over time will start to build up scar tissue. So just be careful of some of those more invasive um, procedures out there that might last longer than a day or two, because you're going to have to live with the results. True. And that that's a whole other subject of plastic surgery, which we're dying to have a story we're done on. That. You know, yeah. We're done that. <laughs> we're dying I to do so sure. I don't I don't I don't hide it. I had a lower facelift and neck lift and two years ago, mainly because I um people were taking photos of me. You know, I get photographers take photos of me as I'm working and then they throw them up on Facebook and I'm like, oh <sighs> um and really, it was just for me. It was like a business decision, and uh, and and I people don't know it. I, I, I you you kind of want to say that we all know wh- when when it's too much. Clearly, that's not true because there's a lot of freakish people go out there who who don't see themselves clearly. But um, I, I do feel like what I had done was well done, and um, I prob- probably won't do it again. But I'm glad I did it. Yeah, it gives you a definite lift, huh? Makes you feel yeah. better. No pun intended. Not. No pun intended. <laughs> well, thank you, Becky, for being so transparent with us. And it's been so fun getting to uh, re- reunite with you. And I just, I, now I remember why I just loved you so much because you're just such a genuine person. It, <laughs> Likewise, Joe Jamie. I love watching, following your adventures as well. Thank you. Yeah, love your authenticity. Thanks so much, Becky. And, you know, you're, you're a good, you're a, 
good role model for people, especially as you keep changing and evolving. And that's what Ladies Roadmap is all about. And we hope that we're helping women out there to add maybe a little spark to their roadmap and come up with something new and different to do. I have no doubt you're going to achieve that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. There's been so many tips and and wonderful um, products that Becky has recommended. So once again, make sure to check her out at her website. All the links will be at ladiesroadmap.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ladiesroadmap. One more thing before we go. Ladies, do you have friends or family that have never listened to a podcast, don't know what one is, and certainly need help downloading? So Jamie's put together a fabulous quick tutorial on our website explaining what a podcast is and how to download. Just go to our website, ladiesroadmap.com, and go to the podcast page, and it's right at the top. Thank you for spreading the word about Ladies Roadmap. Thank you for listening to Ladies Roadmap. We'd like to give a shout out to our amazing music producer, Cam Tyler at litloops.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Just go to www.ladiesroadmap.com and click on podcast. It's as easy as that. Or you can subscribe on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Ladies Roadmap. And you know what else? We would love to hear from you. Feel free to email us at info at ladiesroadmap.com. And until next week, remember, the greatest part of a road trip isn't arriving at your destination. It's all the wild stuff that happens in between. Mm-hmm.